Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Brad, the picture you posted today um, on Twitter or Instagram or both actually did not look like you. With the amount of beard that you had and the fact that it was ginger because the sun was coming right down on it, so your beard was red, and the fact that I was seeing you smile, I was like, oh, man, I have not seen any of these parts of Brad in a long time. Uh, yeah, it was fun because as I was telling you guys before we started recording, uh, basically most of Southern Ontario has been sold out of rollerblades, including my store since the quarantine started. Someone returned a pair on uh, Friday because they bought it online and it was the wrong size, but it was my size. So I finally got a pair and uh, there's a outdoor rink near uh not too far from here so i took mika down there we slapped on a rollerblades played hockey for an hour an hour and a half got out of the house it was sunny it was fun i was happy i also didn't realize how much of a chimera my beard is you put me indoors my beard is straight brown you put me in the sun it's all red so in reality it's probably a 50 50 mix but uh it's fun to screw with people that way without even intending to you're a hidden ginger yeah, well, I mean, I'm like second generation Scottish, so that's no no surprise. They walk among us. Um, Dude, have I, you ever seen me in the sun? Have you ever seen me with a tan despite the amount of time I spend <laughs> in the sun? There You've have never been, been tanned. There have been clues to my heritage this whole time, Ryan. You have I'm so always white, just I'm been almost, radiant. Yeah, I'm almost clear. Um, and I also, I realize, uh, just doing video podcasts, like in our own homes, like the different versions of each other that we see. And I'm sure you guys have seen me at my worst and my even worse than that, but I love the duality of Evan and we usually get version a, which is what we have today. Like a very put together Evan and his hair looks like it's styled. Like you just put together. Off. I wore a hat all day and there's a toothpaste stain on this shirt, <laughs> <laughs> but your, your hair just like sits so perfectly and it's very agitating to me. I had a haircut, so if I hadn't, I'd be a wild man right now. And then what was it, last episode of the episode before, Brad, where uh, he just looked like an animal? Like he <laughs> looked like he probably was Probably the last ravaged. one before my haircut. Oh, man, that was that was a rough look for you. He but, looked uh, like the uh, son from the wild thornberries. <laughs> <laughs> Roughly the same amount of uh, intellig- or intelligible English. <laughs> Depending on the episode that you pick. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite pastime with us is uh, when we have to try to figure out what episodes Evan was at, like way back, like last summer, oh, for one oh. reason or another. And it was just like, we might not have had video because we might not have been doing YouTube. It's just like clicking through the episode, clicking through the episode. Like, I have no idea if he was there or not. Oh, we haven't heard from Evan Lobspeaker in a while. One of the, uh, one of the many spinoff accounts. Um He'd yeah. probably actually have to do work now. Oh, yeah, that's that's very true. Well, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Um, here on our first post the decision episode, uh, which was the last episode when you know there's a bunch of major topics. Um, and here to uh, discuss some more. I'm Ryan Hanna. I changed my screen name four times to appease Ryan before we started recording. Mm-hmm. You guys have screen names? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I won't even just uh, <laughs> no. I want to see you tap dance on this line, Ryan. <laughs> no, I'm not the... going to say anything. I I'm gonna 
I am it's not going to say anything, but I want to see you tap dance around it. I sometimes paint Evan as the one who just like intentionally does things that he knows is going to just make my like hair fall out on air. But it's actually Brad. 99% of the time it's Brad. No, because see, there's a difference between me and Evan, but it comes with the same result. I say it for the sole purpose of getting a reaction out of you. Evan says it because he knows it's going to get a laugh out of us. <laughs> See, Evan, more wholesome than you. You're just, you're a bonafide, the Brad, the Brad Crisco prick show is what that comment should have read way, way back. Yes, but it's a one man prick show. Do you think that guy still uh, hate listens to us? Oh, probably. He he listens because of me, because he knows at some point in the episode, I'm going to torment you and he gets satisfaction out of that. He doesn't know when it's true. He doesn't know when it's going to come, how it's going to happen, but he knows. Yeah, it's a fair bet. That's that's a good dynamic of having three of us. There's uh even if you hate one, there's chances are you're gonna like the two others based on our personalities. Or based on the level of torment on the person they dislike. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think uh, we grew so much? Because the first like two years of the podcast was just you two ripping on me. <laughs> I feel everybody like the- got on board with that and then they got bored of ripping on me, and now it's the Ryan Hanna prick show. That's true. When is it gonna be Evan? No, he's immune. It'll be never. <laughs> I wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we know, pal. Um, all right. And that's, and that's why it wouldn't matter even if we did. <laughs> Today on the podcast, we are going to be uh, diving back into our draft profile previews. I know we didn't do one last episode because there's so much big news. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about these play-ins. We're going to start kind of a series-by-series series preview and, and discuss a little bit of what the outcomes might be there. Um, and then some... Uh, goings on from around the league in terms of uh, other teams rebuilding um contracts and and uh interesting things on that front before discussing a little bit back of what a little bit of what return to play might look like and and players might not players who might not be coming back over time etc so uh these nhl play-ins eight series involving shut up siri not you um, eight series involving teams ranked ninth through twenty fourth ish, yeah, yeah, and uh, kind of just a bizarre world where you have teams that are so far out of it playing teams that should have been firmly in it, but both of them have a pretty good chance. So the the first one we'll talk about here is a pretty interesting one. Um, I think no matter who you're a fan of, which is the Toronto versus Columbus series. And these are all going to be five game series played at a, um, to be selected one of two neutral sites, um, or not neutral sites. I should say hub cities. Cause I think the host city could still possibly play, uh, play there. So, uh, Toronto versus Columbus. If you're a Toronto fan, are you very worried right now? Yes. Because Columbus's strength is Toronto's kryptonite, even though objectively the Leafs are a better team. Toronto is all offense all the time, decent goaltending, absolutely no defense. Columbus is all defense, pretty good goaltending, no offense. So we're either going to see a lot of 6-5 games because chaos or a lot of one nothing games because Columbus. Yeah, um, it's it's impossible to forget what Columbus did last year to the most high-powered offense that the league had seen in some time. Um, Tampa Bay had some had ease all year against every team that they played scoring on them, scoring them a lot and scoring on them easily. Uh, Columbus shut it down clinically 
And that's a reflection of the execution by the players and the way that John Tortorella has designed um, that team system and, and coached them. And John Tortorella deserves credit for his growth as a coach. I wrote him off years ago as, you know, losing the room every two or three years. And that's very clearly not the case here in Columbus. Um, they swept the cup favorite Tampa Bay Lightning in four games. It was one of the biggest update upsets we've seen in hockey in some time. Um, Allison Lucan wrote an, a fantastic piece uh, about that series as to, you know, just exactly how Columbus did it in terms of the systems that they deployed uh, to basically muck up Tampa Bay's high pressure offense and, and throw them off their game. Um, and so Columbus has a history here. They have a, a, a proven uh, executable history and plan to beat a team that relies on a high powered offense. You couple that with Toronto's um, lacking defense a lot of the time and their hot and cold goaltending. And yeah, this is one of those series where I'm like the, the favorites are the favorites for sure. I like Toronto is, is, definitely on paper the better team in my mind you don't have the roster they do and not call them that but it wouldn't in my mind be that big of an upset or at least a surprise if columbus took it and in a best of five like if you don't uh, if you want just a, a little thought experiment to realize how much of a toss of a best of five is think of how many times the uh the favorites in a series that do eventually go on to win are down two one at some point it's not uncommon at all and you don't see those teams really panic when that happens because it's a coin toss. One penalty call in overtime, you know, one fluke play, one hot goaltender performance, and it changes the whole series. So I'm actually going to make an argument here. I don't know if I fully believe it myself, but I think the argument needs to be made as to why the Columbus Blue Jackets are the favorites in this series. It's I know it's weird to say that when a team's going up against Austin, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares, et cetera, et cetera. But point one, is there a team in the league who benefited more from the shutdown than Columbus? Because at the time- They were injured. They were unbelievably injured. I think the final number was they had nine regulars out at the point of shutdown. And it wasn't just- Third and fourth line guys. Seth Jones was out. Cam Atkinson was out. Um, oh, there was who was the other big forward that was out for them? Josh Anderson was out. And I could keep going and going. They were missing a good chunk of their roster. And the one thing people wouldn't realize about a Columbus Toronto matchup, they have identical points percentage. So Columbus was that injured and kept pace with Toronto through 70 games. Columbus has the strength on defense and it's old stereotype hockey that I don't even know I fully believe in anymore, but generally defense wins championships. When you have Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, David Savard, Ryan Murray, hard not to think that you're going to have an advantage, a significant advantage just from that standpoint. The Blue Jackets also have something Toronto doesn't, which is two good goaltenders because it only takes one of Merzlikens or Corpusalo to get hot to win the series. But if one of them gets cold, the other can come save the other guy. So if game one Corpusalo lays an egg, they go to Merzlikens in the next game and, and steadies things down. Whereas Toronto, if Freddie Anderson falters, they are screwed. So I think when you couple that all together, you could make a case that Toronto is the underdog here. I think Toronto fans and 
I don't know, maybe we should ask Steve about this. I think Toronto fans would agree. Like a lot of Toronto fans and not even because, you know, they're, we're never going to win anything. Like all we know is pain and suffering kind of like memeing about it. But like, I think they would actually agree that the, the Toronto has a big mental block right now and they have this giant hurdle to get over. And it, it seems like whenever, I don't want to say they're dismantled easily because they're not like those series against Boston could have very easily have gone the other way, like, another way. And they've run into strong teams. Like you do need to be a strong team to beat Toronto, but they're going to view themselves as underdogs until they're able to beat these uh, very good teams in the early rounds. Like if they're not making the conference finals, they're saying, well, we're very clearly not playing up to our potential. And now we're running into a strong team who's getting healthy with two goaltenders that could get hot and carry this team, which we've seen proven this season. I I would love for the reality to be what you said, Brad, which is that defense wins championships because that's just the hockey purist in me. But I think the modern NHL is um, center depth wins championships. And if not that, a hot goalie wins championships um, like Patrick Waugh in the playoffs kind of uh, performance um, or, you know, like Tim, Tom- Tim Thomas or like Dwayne Rolison, those weird like. They came out of nowhere, flash in the pan, but you only have to be good for 25 games, and all of a sudden you're raising the Stanley Cup kind of thing. But still, um, I, I do believe that you have to be more or less a complete team or at least sufficient in all areas. Uh, great example of that, St. Louis last year, right? Like They had stars. They had excellent players, but more than anything, they had more or less um, sufficient or better performance at every position that they had. Um Tarasenko was invisible for a long time and then but he had his the offense was filled in by other guys um Bennington you know great performance all year and in the playoffs but was he by numbers the best goalie no but he showed up when he had to um you had great defending from Pareko and, and Petrangelo and so I think that's a big hole for Toronto when they if their goaltending is off or you know they're getting exposed on defense then if the other team finds a way to even stymie their offense like a little bit for half of the games I don't think I could not criticize you, Brad, for calling them the underdog. Small aside here, just because uh, as we were talking about this, I, I pulled up the standings by point percentage just to see how the Leafs and Jackets um, records lined up in terms of where the points came from. Um, but but a small aside that has nothing to do with the series. So other than the Red Wings, the lowest points percentage in the NHL was Ottawa with a four thirty seven. Detroit's 275. Yeah, that's what I've been screaming about <laughs> oh the my past God. two episodes. Historic. They are oh, over 150 points behind second last. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no team below 430, and Detroit doesn't even register in the 300s. It's below the 300 win percentage. That's insane. Oh my God. Okay. But here's, here's the, uh, back to Columbus, Toronto, the philosophical problem I'm dealing with, with this series. Objectively, every rational part of my brain is telling me I need to root for Columbus in this series. Do we want but, Toronto? Do we want Toronto in the draft lottery? Uh, I did this math in my head. <laughs> I don't like that 3%. Is I it don't. fun? Is it funny to watch Toronto lose as a Red Wings fan, especially this year after the whole Mantha game and there was no retribution game after? Yes, of course. That is definitely a point in the we want Toronto to lose column. However, as a hockey fan, is Toronto-Boston one of the best series that you can watch? Yes. Yes. Point. 
is the possibility of watching Boston beat Toronto for the umpteenth time funny as hell to watch? Yes, point. Is having Toronto out of the draft lottery a saving grace? God, yes, point. Because if they win, even if they win like Lucas Raymond or Tim Stutzler third overall, who are the other two picks probably going to be like Ottawa? Like there's three top players all going to Atlantic teams and the Red Wings will... Uh, <laughs> They'll wait there for the the Panthers to fall back down to that that spot because they're very clearly not moving up in their division. So no, yeah, Brad, I don't think as much as it would be funny. I think you you if you're a Red Wings fan, you want them to move in to the the playoffs. So what happens to their? I forget what happens with their draft lottery odds. It's basically to summarize it as simply as possible. Every team that loses in the uh, playing round gets a 3% chance at first overall or one of the draft lottery picks if the, when you break it all down. So does Tor- So whoever loses between Toronto and Columbus, they both have the same odds? No, Columbus. If Columbus beats Toronto, Columbus isn't in the draft lottery. No, no. But so if Toronto lost to Columbus, they would have the same odds as if Toronto beat columbus yes only, ev- only every- if a placeholder team wins one of the top three picks. okay well i but- just ran tankathon once and that placeholder got third and then they have a one and eight shot of so then they would have a pick. yeah then it goes to a one and eight and yeah every team that gets bounced in the play-in round has equal odds okay at, yeah at this yeah but for so teams- it doesn't matter if it's the 24th ranked canadians or the seventh ranked penguins it's the same damn odds which gets me back to my rant from last episode. <laughs> Correct me if but I'm I wrong. But I digress. Though. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, let's say that either no team wins the placeholder or no placeholder team wins one of the top three picks or like one of them does, but it's not Toronto. Toronto's draft pick is then just reverse order of standings at the end of the regular season by points percentage. Correct? Correct. Yeah. Which is owned by Carolina. Which is owned by Carolina. It is lottery protected, though, which is why it would matter. Why it actually yeah. does still matter to Toronto. So if they get like second overall, they get second overall. <laughs> Could you imagine their fourth center being Quentin Byfield? No, behind Matthews and Tavares, and I don't even know Kerfoot. Fuck. They, they legitimately it wouldn't even be a joke anymore about trading nylander you would have to it'd be irresponsible to not, not to for three defense. years because of entry-level contracts which is why this draft lottery is bullshit <laughs> well we need to get there first so okay so we, we've talked about the not series. at this point we've talked about the series let's do a little bit of prediction here i have an excel table set up to uh track our our position so or our prediction so in a best of five series which way do you see this going evan we'll start with you with toronto columbus yeah it's gonna go five that's for sure okay so three two for who toronto or columbus honestly it's a coin flip to me i think columbus has the more veteran savvy team and are better coached and play better systems but the leafs are a team that can just run and gun i'll say columbus i just gotta i just there's something i like about john tortorella teams like especially this one they were cast aside and told they were going to be no good and they, they've been okay this year three two columbus for evan brad how about you i'm gonna go three one columbus 
I think with the break, everybody coming in rusty, Columbus's style of hockey will lend better to shaking off the rust. Toronto plays a very skill, very possession, very uh, give-and-go type game, which is all timing and chemistry, which they might not have for a few weeks. So if if Toronto can get that together game one, I think Toronto takes the series in uh, four or five, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I think Columbus jumps out uh, to a quick 2-0, and I say they split the last two. I'm having a tough time not picking Columbus here as well, but I think... Are we anti-Leaf bias, though? I would have picked Columbus 3-2 if I was just going anti-Leafs for the hell of it. I, I legitimately think Columbus, like every circumstance leading in factors uh, favors Columbus. Well, I I think in terms of offensive firepower, Toronto has it, obviously. Um, and I think in a five, I think over a seven game series, I'd give Columbus even more of an advantage. But I think in a five game series, Toronto might escape this. I don't see them getting out of it easily but I, I i will predict them to have a 3-2 victory over the blue jackets um and the deciding factor there for me is that the hockey gods are going to will them to play the bruins again they just also true as is so. foretold just like us picking sixth honestly even though we have it on record as uh it can't happen it probably still will happen my prediction <laughs> we lose the draft lottery get none of the top three spots eisenman trades down two spots Hey, if Eisenman trades down two spots, they take a Rossi and they pick up another great piece. I don't know if Rossi will be there at six. Well, uh, Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzler, Raymond, Drysdale is in there. Maybe. That leaves Rossi. Rossi, think- I, I've depending who you talk to, Rossi could go third. Could, but then that leaves you know Drysdale or, or Raymond there, right? Yeah, I don't know, man. I might go Holtz at that point if... Uh, it's between dry if drysdale's my top i might go holtz good thing we have four more months to theory craft <laughs> you know what i hate that that's not a joke anymore i was even joking with ryan before the episode we're gonna have to do at least at least 32 more prospect profiles we are literally gonna get into the third round we're gonna know their parents names their family lineage Oh my god, what they had for breakfast on the morning of May 12th, 2018. We're we're, we're turning into uh Pierre Maguire's. Oh, I don't want to shave my head. Way more hair though. Brad, I hate to break it to you, but I think you might actually be related to Pierre. Mm. Evan and I talked about this years ago. It makes it makes a ton of sense. No. I feel the same way about Pierre as I do about you. No so much, but oh my god. Wish we could mute you. Just can't turn it off, you know? <laughs> Only one switch. Buddy, you talk more on these podcasts now than I do. I know. Uh, I hate Just it. have kids. It breaks you. Just there's... You, you see the eyes. There's nothing behind them. It's just glass. Brad, why would I have kids when Evan and I's favorite joke is to talk about how we don't have kids and the responsibilities that come with them, and you do? <laughs> I can't that, have them now out of just reason and spite. I've, I've, I'm, I need to die on this hill now. Yeah, that'd be the Ev- Evan's gonna, betrayal. Evan's gonna have to have that long talk with Cat about not having children because of the memes. It's true. 
It's a fair argument. It's 2020. <laughs> um, okay, so that we're going to do those playoff or play-in. God, I hate that phrase. The play-in series previews uh, as it comes along, and we'll talk about it. I don't know. Well, there's no data as to when it's going to start. There's no data as to when the uh, actual NHL, NHL draft is. We don't know when they're being played. We don't even know how long the first round is going to be officially yet. The first round could also be five games if they wanted to. There's not a lot of anything. Um it's not really what America's focusing on right now either. So I don't think we're going to get news on that front for a long time. Is there confirmation that the draft is definitely going to be after the season? Like, did they say that as a definitive? Ryan, I'm going to stop you right now. This is not a question we're going to ask until at least September because I'm not going through Groundhog Day again. We got out of the loop. I'm not going back into the loop. Mm-mm. We're, it, uh, we're letting sleeping dogs lie. We're going to preview the draft, but we're not going to talk about the draft for a good long while. We are going to preview the hell out of this draft. This is our penance, eh? You know that? This is our penance for not, for for all of last year, talking about all these picks and thinking that we covered every possible eventuality and landing on, well, it's probably going to be Cousins, but we wish it was Zegras, and then it was freaking Moritz Sider we covered accidentally as a random profile and well we're like oh well we'll cover everyone possible this year and then the universe went "Mm, we'll see so and it wasn't even that we covered cider um when we needed to do second or late first second round prospects we did three of them together in an episode kind of like quick hit prospect profiles so we never did the deep dive on cider uh and we didn't cover any of the Red Wings second rounders. So we literally went like a half for four last year. We are going to probably safely cover their first five to six picks this draft, whether we want to or not. <laughs> it's going to, and they're going to pick those guys and we're going to flash back to what our previews are going to be. And it's going to be Evan going, yeah, not really the kind of pick that I want Detroit to make at 32. Wouldn't really make a lot of sense. It'd be like the only guy in this class that I wouldn't be excited by. <laughs> We're going to get to the point where we're going to start doing mock drafts based on um, themes. (laughs) Like, okay, what's Detroit's realistic best case draft for you? What's the worst case? Pick only small players. Pick players only born in June. Let's see how far we can get on this. (laughs) Pick players by their uh, ranked by their most likely willingness to take a one-way ticket to Mars to start the next generation. But the crap way we're going right now, that might be high. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh man oh. oh oh great news guys um it is no longer 90 degrees fahrenheit in my house wow it's cold a, right now i have a real working air conditioner what is it 98 degrees did nick lachey show up really brad that's the reference you're gonna make you're Buddy. aging yourself you're aging yourself pal glass <laughs> there's nothing behind um just very quickly about the draft lottery and the nhl draft and i'm not going to do this from like a rage standpoint nope Uh, then i'm out yeah well you you contribute how you want brad (laughs) the the league and i know a lot of what of they put forward was like platitudes to placate or at least try to the fans that were getting you know screwed over had to face the reality that they weren't going to see a lot of their teams for however many months until probably january of next year um but they mentioned you know the draft lottery was a way for the teams to engage in um engage with their fans and have something to look forward to and i i do understand and i i 
don't agree at all with this um, explanation. And you can go back to the last episode to see how aggressively I and we don't agree with this layout. But I understand why they they did it the way they did with their placeholder teams and, and giving them the opportunity to jump up into the draft lottery. But if they like they need to maximize revenue and attention here. I just still can't get away from the advantage. The NHL as as a, a league, like the league office and the overall revenue, how much better it would be for them to structure it this way. June draft lottery, July draft, August return to play, and then August until whenever. And then you take your however many months off, 60 days off, and then bam, next season starts. Like you space it out that way and you have so much more content for everyone. Yeah, if you want a July draft and that's happening before the August return to play, or at least hopeful August return to play, then you're going to have to do away with these placeholder picks. You're going to have to find some other solution for it. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I kind of am into that because there was, there's versions of the draft lottery where, uh, and we even put these forward, where um, you can ke- still keep your... I think objectively stupid model where all 15 lottery teams are in play, um, but just make sure that they can't win the first pick. And yeah, sure. That screws over those teams that lost their three and a half percent chance pick or uh, percent chance of first overall pick, or even as high as six and a half percent or whatever it might be. But then you get from now, which is this is May 31st right now. So starting tomorrow, we have a major event in the draft lottery that they can pump up a major event in uh, a major event in June, which is the draft lottery, which they can pump a major event in July, which is the actual NHL draft, which they can pump up. And then hopefully by then they have the August return to play. And through all of this, you have news coming out about what the return to play looks like. They're starting to hype up these play in series. It seems like a good way to, to create these anchor points of entertainment and get attention in. It's not going to be as perfect as, as if they had done the draft in like a couple of weeks, which would have been nice. But still, I'm really surprised they didn't go with that. So I'm going to actually play devil's advocate here. And even though financially it would be the right call, and as much as I hate how much the NHL has been pandering to a handful of teams... You can't have the draft uh, that close or during the playoffs. If I was a GM and you're telling me I got to worry about the draft a week before my team gets into the playoffs, I'd tell you to piss off. My mind's on other things. So they either had to do it early Ju- early to mid-June, well ahead of the return to hockey, or they have to do it after. They can't do it in between, and, and that's just the reality of it. So as much as we want to say, oh, yeah, Boston doesn't need to worry about picks, they get still, we... They have to draft. They can't not do it properly. They can't do it with minimal focus. They can't do it in entirely the hands of the scout. The front office still needs to be involved in some capacity. So, yeah, the window to do it before the Stanley Cup uh, is awarded has come and gone. That's with the understanding that the draft lottery is until June 26. If they did it the next damn day, sure. But they're very clearly not doing that. And we can't do it till after the f- the play-in round because we don't know who those teams are yet. Well, in theory, placeholder the bullshit. But yeah, no, the, the best they could do is late July and no GM in a playoff position is going to agree to that. No, no GM should agree to that because that wouldn't really make a lot of sense. But that's where the league says, yeah, I understand why you're not agreeing with it. Anyways, here's why we're moving forward. It's that you all need money. <laughs> if that was a good argument, we'd be prepping for the draft this week, Ryan. 
If anybody was willing to listen to that, this wouldn't be a conversation. Evan, I love watching Brad when he yells because the way his mic is positioned, you can see the uh, the light indicator and it goes red whenever you're um, over like over blasting on the mic. <laughs> it's just like blinking red every time he's help, speaking. help, help, help. <laughs> I call that my Batman setting. <laughs> Uh, you know, when, when Eisman had his presser, someone was like, Tell, walk us through like what those conversations were to come to this decision. And he was like, I wasn't really part of those conversations. <laughs> I was like, oh, had, like, what was he going to contribute to that? Yeah. Eisman, where do you want to draft? <clears throat> First. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> on, on earth. Uh, I don't know. Mars draft. He just, a lot of people watching. He, he Bettman just mentioned Stevie draft. He kind of like snaps out of his slumber. <laughs> uh, Detroit selects from Ramuski Alexi Lafreniere. <laughs> looks around in confusion. Bettman goes, holy shit, can he do that? <laughs> and then Eichmann looks at him. and He's Bettman's already been like, drafted. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we've got a jersey for him. He's on his way. They We sent uh, Redbird 2 over for him. Speaking of the draft lottery, um, for those of you who are wondering, we are going to be doing um, a live stream. Are we? If yes, if we isn't had it Canada Day weekend. No, it's Evan, the weekend before, isn't it? It's the weekend before. Canada Day falls on a Wednesday this year. It's the t- June twenty sixth. Well, you don't get that weekend off. No, I'm giving... taking the Monday Tuesday off though. Well, I hope you're bringing your computer wherever you're going. Hold on, June twenty. There's like five events in out of three hundred and sixty-five that are like air quotations must covers for us, Evan. How do you make it to like twenty percent of them? June twenty-sixth is a Friday. Evan will be there. Good. Hopefully, they have <laughs> internet in the random places I'll be going. Oh my god. Anyways, uh, we'll be live streaming. If I had to guess, we'd be live streaming online still. The way things are trending, it looks like the quarantine's going to be where we are in the world going to be extended for a little while longer. Uh, but why we'll, are there large gatherings or something? Um, I mean, the numbers weren't trending great before the large gatherings, so I don't <laughs> imagine it's going to be much better now. Um, we're going to be still doing our live stream, uh, much like we did last year. It'll be a blast or not, but regardless, we'll experience it together. Um, I'll position my camera in a way. So if I do go out the window, you guys can see it in all its glory. Um, two cameras, couple cameras, couple cameras, and, and then, uh, I'll have Brad come over and recover, um, the cameras after. And, Not you know, quarantine's done though. Yeah, I'm just gonna have Mika follow me around uh, with my camera just so I've got him moving. Yeah, all right. It'll be like one of those like fancy podcasts where they actually have producers and like multiple angles, and it cuts based on who's talking. Yeah, because when I jump through my back window, she can walk up to the window and she'll get there quick enough to see me running through the fence as well. So <laughs> that's that's it's like the, the juggernaut. Trick. Yeah, exactly. And I'll probably be yelling, "I'm the juggernaut" as I'm doing it, just out of fun. So that's something that we can look forward to on the on the 26th, and then we'll let you know uh, more plans about whether we're going to record an episode right after then or wait until the Sunday. So, honest, um, honest question for you. Are you even a little excited about the draft lottery? Oh, intensely. Yeah, I'm intensely excited. I was thinking that about was it. That was not the answer, Brad. Was no, 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 no I don't know what I didn't know what his answer would be. It's not my answer because to me, there's nowhere to go but down. It's either relief that we got number one or at least some level of disappointment to anger i've got an 18 percent, 18 and a half percent chance of not being at least a little pissed off 
I 100% maintain that I will not have an ounce of disappointment if Detroit drafts second overall. I will have at least an ounce of disappointment. I will not be angry at number two. That's just mild disappointment because I'd still rather Lafreniere. That's like when you go to a restaurant and you ask for the Wagyu and they don't have it, but you still get a steak. This... Picking fourth, as much as I love Stutzler, Raymond, Rossi, whoever we picked there, is not Lafreniere. And honestly, honestly, it doesn't even matter who we pick fourth. I'm going to be furious just out of the principle that a team that had a 275 points percentage can pick fourth. (laughs) Help, 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 help. (laughs) Well, it'll just go to show next year when we're in the exact same position. You know what's going to you know what's going to happen? And I'll be okay if this happens. We are going to suffer, just suffer through the next three to four draft lotteries. And all these seasons, the Red Wings are terrible. And we're just going to get angry, angry, angry. Absolutely nothing saving us from these miserable seasons. And then when we're finally on the precipice of being good and life's happy, then they'll give us a draft lottery win. It'll be second or third, but we'll be like 10th last. So that'd be like a monumental victory. And then we'll now keep going. And then we'll all be happy. Forget about how the league screwed us for a decade. And then move on with our lives because the NHL will never, ever let us be truly and fairly happy. The more I think about it, the more I realize that this year was kind of just the uh, commercials before the movie. And I think next season's going to be even worse. Because this year, at least we could have go to the home opener and have events or potentially go to Grand Rapids and stuff my body full of meat tubes. Um, but next year, it's just we have to wait nine months for the next Red Wings game and half our team's not going to be able to tie their skates <laughs> and we won't be able to go to any games. It's going to be worse. It's... You- not great. Now, this this is probably a legitimate question because the Red Wings, with how bad they are, and you lose the fan experience of it, like, is how much financial trouble is this organization going to be in? Well, it's I think they've quite be- diversified portfolio in terms oh. of owning the Tigers, and I'm sure they are got their money hedged and. Very successful places. I mean, Little Caesars makes a ton of money. I'm not worried about the Illich's hemorrhaging money or going bankrupt, but man, that the Red Wings could be a financial black hole for them for a couple of years, especially with the COVID stuff going on. And the, the NHL team is other playoff teams are getting playoff revenue, buddy. They're not getting gate, but they're getting advertising and they're getting all this crap that the Red There's Wings are going to be. There's going to be some form of, of support or relief. No, there's, there's a revenue sharing program. So I know I overstate that just for the lulls. But no, it's I, I'm curious because the Red Wings were not selling out games this year. Even at the beginning of the season, attendance wasn't good. So this could play it one of two ways. A good part of the casual fan base basically forgets about the Red Wings after not watching them for nine months. And then they come back. People go, oh, right, yeah, oh, crap, they're still terrible, and then basically have no interaction with the Red Wings for over a year. How many of those people come back? Because those are the diehards like us and the people who listen to this podcast, but NHL teams aren't made made or uh, broken based on their diehards. 
it's the casuals getting the casuals out to the games getting the casuals to watch on tv and i do think because of how screwed the red wings got with the shutdown because there's no finish to the regular season because they obviously didn't qualify for the play-in and because we're looking at a december january next season start they are going to be an afterthought for a lot of people um something to say but i forgot you know, we want to know, I like, this was a point that we talked about last episode, Brad, like where it's like, that was actually all the rage and like bias aside that this actually sucks for Red Wings because like you lose, you disengage a lot of fans that actually just went through like four years of absolute crap. And this is just kind of like a death blow for a lot of them. And it's going to take teams like the Red Wings, not just Detroit. It's going to take teams like the Red Wings a lot of time to build that fan base back. And they're not going to have money to go to games. They're not going to have, you know, the want or attention to go to games, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm actually going to divert away before I lose this point. And this is a not worth diverting away from. So I apologize in advance, Brad. But do you want to know what my stupid, like, privileged hockey worry is right now? Like, this is coming from someone who's a fan of a team who's had decades and decades and decades of success. And I'm worried about something that would still be ostensibly good. I'm worried the Red Wings are going to lose this draft lottery with Lafreniere. Win next draft lottery with Aturati, who's a great prospect, but by all rights, not the caliber of Lafreniere, and then lose the Shane Wright lottery. Yeah, we'll get the, uh, what is it, the 2012 draft. We'll get first pick in the equivalent of the 2012 draft. That being said, it's still really early. Uh, the top end of next year's draft looks extremely defense heavy. So if we, assuming we take a forward in the top four, which I think we'd be crazy not to this year. It could be a good offset because you go from a forward heavy draft to a defense heavy draft. So if you're picking first overall, because we keep referencing Atu Ratti first overall next year, that is far from a lock. This is not the Connor McDavid draft. This is not the Austin Matthews draft. This is not the Rasmus Dahlin draft. It's open. Uh, Brant Clark could make a case. Carson Lambos could make a case. There's going to be a lot of defensemen making a case for first overall. So might not be the worst. Obviously, Detroit picking first overall is definitely not the worst thing in the world. But if the, oh, way, yeah. if the way you said it plays out, <laughs> it would suck to not you can't have complain. The, you can't what? complain, but I mean, don't worry. When the placeholder teams take two of the three lottery spots this year, they'll revamp the the draft, and we'll be laughing for the next two. The uh, and before anyone gets too attached to what I said, pretending that you know definitively which top picks are going to be, you know generational talents or franchise talents or, or how good they're going to be this far in advance is nothing short of bullshit like no it's like when people release like 500 uh deep prospect rankings you're like you were making this up past pick 50 and everyone knows it um Aturati or any of the guys that brad listed could end up being a better than alexi lafreniere and shane wright could be a wash by the time we get to 2022 i <laughs> uh no no i will confidently say <laughs> she was wright gonna, not gonna be a wash there, there uh, are those players who come along every few years who are absolute 1,000% can't-miss prospects. And right now, that Shane Wright, he was 15 years old and won the OHL scoring race by a lot and even put up more points in his 15-year-old OHL season than Connor McDavid did. So, yeah, I'm... 
I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Shane Wright's not going to miss. I'm going to, uh, I'm sorry, we let this one get a little bit off the rails. I'm going to bring us back in and, and give us a little bit more structure here. Uh, we have our, our uh, draft profile, uh, our draft prospect profile for this episode, and that is the very intriguing prospect that is Zion Nybeck. So Brad, how about you kick us off? Zion Nybeck, my favorite type of second round prospect, assuming he makes it that far. All the talent in the world. There is no questioning this kid's skill. He's a good skater, unreal hands, unreal creativity, uh, unreal vision, uh, shots, whatever. Uh, but he gets to the net, so he doesn't. And um, aggressive, goes to the net. Just everything you want in a forward in the modern NHL. Except he's five foot seven, and he doesn't have the shot of Alex to bring it. So... It, could he grow still? Yeah, maybe I wouldn't bet on it, but I mean, like Nybeck's tools. If he's even five eleven, top fifteen pick, no question, no question about it. But he is five foot seven. When you look at, I got curious, so I pulled up Pronman's rankings um, for uh, on Nybeck before we started recording, and you know how he does his uh, twenty to eighty grades mm-hmm. on that most top 15 picks will get one to two 60 grades on their tools and then maybe one below uh, just a 50 nybeck skating 60 puck skills 60 hockey sense 60 physical game 20 yeah i, mean, <laughs> I don't I don't think Nybeck is necessarily like a complete pushover for someone his size, but yeah, his physical game is obviously not his his strongest attribute. But for 5'7", he drives the he net. He does not shy away from contact uh, when he gets caught clean, though. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, but, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. But no, he, he's not afraid. Like, Because you'll see, even a guy like Jonathan Berggren is very guilty of playing the perimeter because he's small. Now, Berggren's an exception in that he's so good at it, he can get away with it. That's not Nybeck because the easy comparison to make for Nybeck is a small Swedish forward with great hands and great vision is Berggren. That is not the way he plays, which is one of the reasons I love Nybeck. Now he's doing this against juniors and in international tournaments and he's not playing uh, men. He's not playing against NHL size players. So there is, I'm the last person to use size as an excuse, but for the way he plays and how big he actually is, there is a very real concern that when he gets up against uh, physically stronger competition, he's going to get torched. He is yeah. going to be rendered useless. But he, because his skill set is so good, he is still absolutely worth taking a flyer on at uh, on a second round pick. I have him as a late first because that question mark is so high. But, I mean, we've talked about it a million times on this podcast. The odds of a second-round pick panning out are low. Um, 30%? 34%. I mean, obviously, 32 versus 54 are not the same percent. But averaging it out at 34% to play 100 NHL games, you're just betting on tools. And then you're hoping whatever the deficiencies are, the player can overcome. Because with like Master Simone last year, we know he's not a good skater, but his hockey sense and his shot were so damn good that if the skating picks up, you got a very real player there. Nybeck, 
all the tools are there. You're hoping he just can compensate for the physicality of the NHL. So yeah, as far as a late first, early second round pick, Nybeck, the the perfect gamble because it might go up in flames, but if it hits, it hits. Yeah, Nybeck is is pretty well regarded um, by those who have, kind of have the same uh prospect evaluations as us which is like swing for the fences who gives a shit because if it's a 34 percent chance you might as well hope that that 34 percent chance is a guy who can fly around on your first or second line when no one rated him there and, and that's what zion nybeck fits like like brad mentioned his skills that don't depend on size are unreal there's fantastic hands the guy doesn't play like he's small he's speedy he's yeah, like really really great with the puck um and and that's if that's one of those, you know, home runs or you hit a, a ground rule double, I don't know why I use so many baseball uh, metaphors. Um, you you would want that guy to hit and you are willing to take a risk on him. So a late first or an early second, I would love to see Nybeck at 32. I wouldn't hate that at all, knowing that it's a huge risk. But it's, it's you know, all reward or no reward. There's no real in-between for him for me. The... The worry for me doesn't lie within the obvious concerns that you brought up with his size. And that's not because they're not there, but that to me is like the obvious one. The one for me is that he doesn't have that one additional thing to completely quell the concerns about his size. Like Debrinket has his scoring. Cole Caulfield has his scoring. Nybeck doesn't. Nybeck has things that are really fantastic tools, but... As uh, my my least favorite friend, Brad Crisco, always says, what is the most important thing a player can do on the ice? Score goals. So the easiest way to trump the biggest um, uh, downfall in terms of like traditional NHL scouts mind, which is, you know, you're a tiny player and you're going to get absolutely clobbered on the, on the ice. What's the easiest way to get over that? Score goals. You score a shit ton of goals. You just put the puck in the net. That's what you have the ability to do. Nybeck doesn't have that ability. However there's still a chance where he can adjust his game so he doesn't get absolutely demolished where he he defers to a little bit more perimeter play because he's not going to be able to drive the net like he likes to do. Or if he does, he tries to minimize the risk. Can you actually do that and maintain the kind of player that you are and the production that you have? I'd call it less likely. Um, but if you can... That's a hell of a player to pick up. I like I like him a lot. He's like a whether you're an eye test or a fantasy or fantasy um, analyst or advanced analytics person or a mixture of both, which I think everyone should be. Um, he he checks a lot of boxes, but it's that thing of when you play him against men that just that's what gives me a lot more pause than it did about about like Debrinket and Caulfield. I'll, I'll disagree with you in one sense. Um, that when you have such a strong concern as you do with a guy who's five seven, what is his tool to overcome that? Yeah, his 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 shot skating hands aren't enough, but to me, he does have a tool to overcome that. His brain. This guy thinks the game. His had an heart. Ex- <laughs> his heart. His girth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is five seven, a buck seventy five. So he's extra, a thick kid, yeah. <laughs> extra weights coming from somewhere. Um, no, he he thinks the game at an elite level, and that we, we've preached it time and time again is the number one trait we want to see in a hockey player. So anytime I'm looking at a potential second round prospect who has that as their strongest trait, that to me is always going to put me in the mind of yep. 
that's worth the risk. Again, that's people are asking for for guys where if they fall to the second, would you like to see Detroit take them? If you don't mind a little bit of risk in your life and, and you don't mind if you understand going into this one that, you know, in all likelihood and all statistical likelihood, this guy's not going to make it as a player or what you would want him to be. But if he does, is it going to be incredibly rewarding? Zion Nybeck is your guy. If you want to play it safe, look to Detroit's picks like last year. I think those are guys where um, they come towards the, the mean or the middle on a lot of their attributes. Um, not to say that they're not inherently risky as well, but Zion Nybeck is like all flash. Um, and for what it's worth, because I know when we're talking about prospects like Lucas Raymond or Alex Holt, it's it's hard to get a gauge on them because they're playing in the top Swedish league. Same argument the other way with Nybeck because he's playing in the in the Swedish J20 league. Um, so it's a junior league. It's hard to compare. Well, he, here's just a point of reference for Red Wings fans. We were all and are all absolutely thrilled and over the moon with Elmer Soderblom's progression this year. He put up 55 points in 36 games in uh, the J20 League this year to finish fourth in league scoring. You I know, hear fin- Lars cheering from Sweden yeah. right now. You know who finished first in J20 scoring this year with 66 points in 42 games? Zion Nybeck. Six points ahead of second place. So if production's the concern, yeah, not with Nybeck. He's produced at every level, and that's like for the people who are willing to take the risk, that's what they'll hold in front of you. It's like, yeah, okay, on paper should be a concern, but boom, he's produced here, boom, he's produced here, boom, he's produced here. This this tournament he's done well. Like he, the guy is he has a kind of talent when you watch him play when you're like, oh, if you're three inches taller, you're going mid to like maybe top third of the first round, no doubt, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If and he's a winger, so obviously he's not held in the same regard as centerman. But if Zion Nybeck is three inches taller and plays center with his skill set, he's a top ten pick. Yeah. No no doubt about it. <laughs> if that player was a better prospect, he'd be drafted higher. More at eleven. Well, that's what I stay like because I was my OHL draft year was two thousand three, and I still argue to this day, if I was five inches taller, 30 pounds heavier, and a lot better at hockey, I would have got drafted. <laughs> yeah, whenever um, people who don't know like about hockey, and I can bullshit to them, ask like, oh, if like, did you ever play? I was like, yeah, I played dubs, like as in double A. <laughs> I could have played trips, but you know, uh, I just wasn't big enough, And uh, but I was super, uh, I played the game really well, but I also, I didn't have a good shot. So if I, if I could have those two things of like a way better shot, and I was even bigger, and a better hockey player, I might have made the O. <laughs> jhl <laughs> if all my skills just went up like 20 percent. great evan yeah evan actually evan was too good that's why evan didn't get drafted <laughs> yes yeah, so i said you know what not for me thank you though <laughs> evan missed his combine he was on the tour he was on the the pga junior tour oh maybe that's why my back hurts so bad i blew it out when i was a kid <laughs> um I regret to inform that I, I've lost my license to make fun of Evan's golfing for a little while. Um, I did some, uh, I actually played 18 holes. Wow. Good for yeah. you. No, not good for me. Although I had probably four or five good holes. I was putting like a madman, but did I lose a lot of balls to the forest on the right? Just I lost one ball today no. and it was because I'm an idiot. So I lost just just ending the story there. Okay, that was it. That's all you (laughs) need. That's the whole story. I could go into the the optics of it, but I'm just an idiot. That's all Uh, it was. 
last last talking point here before we move into overtime. Um, they had uh, Buffalo made the decision to keep Jason Botterill as their GM, right? Botterill. I'm not misremembering. Who was I mixing up with? Anyways, um, and then they had kind of like the same thing under the Red Wings had, where they had like the end of season presser, and someone asked um eichel a pretty pointed question about you know winning and and where the team is at and eichel came out and and had a very direct response and it's not surprising eichel is very like larkin-esque in terms of how much he wants to win and how vocal he is about it um but man if you're a fan of the buffalo sabers you have to be concerned about losing jack eichel because he is pissed off he said pretty pointedly, like, yeah, I want to win. I, I hate losing. I think this team's not where it's supposed to be. Like, I'm paraphrasing here. This team's not where it's supposed to be, and we need to start winning soon. Like, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of losing. And this is very clearly a guy who is expecting more from his team and his GM and the team that he's built around him and doesn't want to to be in the spot that he's in. Nobody wants to lose, but certain players, you know, are a little bit more patient or understanding. But Jack Eichel's had how many years there now and hasn't won anything? So you have one of the best players in the NHL, uh, one of the best centermen that's not Connor McDavid, and this guy is pissed off, and you've wasted a lot of good years of his. <laughs> Buffalo, I, I I, think unless they turn it around within the next year or two, they might be looking at a Jack Eichel trade request. The good news for Buffalo is they're paying him a lot of money, so not every team can take that on. <laughs> Come on down, Detroit. We're slightly better Buffalo. But not at hockey. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, are we right now? <laughs> uh, we have the benefit of not being this terrible for as long. At least not yet, anyway. <laughs> um, I was talking to Max about it, though. Like, I think Buffalo has just been bad for so long. They're probably going to be good despite their best efforts here. Like, what's their worst pick? Like, Marco Rossi? Okay. Like, their their top line is going to just fill out with like top five picks. They're eventually going to stop playing Ristolainen as a first pairing defenseman. So you're going to have an addition by subtraction there. Rasmus Dolin is going to continue to progress. He's probably going to be a Norris Norris Trophy candidate more years than not. Depending on the players that they can add, like they've got to pay, they've got to start winning soon. You I, would think so. Uh, I mean, you've got an Eichel. A Reinhardt, well, here's the big problem with Buffalo, and uh, it's a problem with a lot of teams that are bad, unlike the Red Wings, actually, fun enough. Did you have to look up who the Sabre starting goalie is right now? Uh, Can't even think about it. Is it Hutton? Carter Hutton. And try and guess how he did this season. I don't know, like everyone else in Buffalo, they're probably terrible. Brutal. Yeah, he was terrible. Um, so Buffalo might be a good case study in, are they really that bad? Is Eichel justified in his thing, or is this just the team has one massive problem to fix, and then what happens? So I'm not saying they're a good team, and I get that they have the culture of losing, but the only way to get rid of a culture of losing is to eventually win. It sounds so simplistic, but you have to just find a way. So if only Buffalo had Robin Leonard. (laughs) Anyways, um, no, I I think Buffalo, with their prospects, with the top-end talent they have, I I think there's a real possibility Buffalo is going to turn it around sooner than later because... Even if you look at Buffalo's last two seasons, 
they have had some absolute windows where they are on heaters. They've got a 10-game winning streak, I think. Recently, they were near the top of the standings for the first month of this past season. Doesn't that sound like a team that lives and dies with their goalie? They go from absolutely untouchable when the goalie's hot and then just goalie falls off a cliff and they're terrible. So if they can just get some consistency between the pipes, yeah, I'm not saying Buffalo's a cup contender, but they'd at least be in the play-in round right now. They certainly have some good pieces. It's just going to be bringing it all together and getting a goalie who is good. And they have a lot of good pieces. That's that's the scary thing with Buffalo. Like again, I know he's not super young. He's not super old either. There's no way Jeff Skinner has this bad a season again. That was a fluke. He's a, he's one year removed from being a forty goal scorer, and his entire career he scored near that clip. So last season was the outlier. Not this season. He scored forty goals. You still have Eichel. You still have Reinhardt. Man, I mean, they've got one of the best goalie prospects in the game in Uka Pekalukinen. I don't know how long it's going to take him to get there, but mm-hmm. he, when he gets there, they still have Casey Middlestat. Jury's out on him, but if he goes the right way, I mean, there's a lot of question marks on Buffalo, but they don't need all those question marks to go the right way to have the team start going the right way. Yeah, I would kill to have their kind of like top end pieces in both you know the pipeline and on their actual team. Um, you know, very happy with who the Red Wings have on a limited basis. Yeah, Larkin is great as your first line center. Like, you would want a better centerman, but at the same time, you could be much worse off. Uh, you're happy about Mantha as your best winger. Like, he he stays healthy. He's a, a I genuinely believe one of the top goal scorers in the league. Um, you're happy with Sider and Zadina, but at the same time, like when you have Rasmus Dalene, when you have Jack Eichel, uh, when you have the players that they do, like. I attribute a lot of their lack of success right now to mismanagement. Jeff Skinner is a weird one. I think he's overpaid, but at the same time, I don't think he was played in the right way or given the opportunity to break out of his funk. Like you said, correct me if I'm wrong. He didn't play with Eichel this year, did he? No, barely. And uh, that's kind of silly for a guy who just put up 40. Yeah. It's like, it's like leaving goals on the table. Like why, why aren't you just signing up for these free goals? And it's like, well, he's not doing it the right way. Sure. But every goal counts the same. So if he scores 32, but he has a choppy season, at least he scored 32 goals for you. You know, like, uh, that's always been funny to me with coaches, but at the same time, I don't know. I like Ralph Kruger as well. I I don't think it's, I think it's pretty early to write that off. Um, I thought they were going to change, have a change in GM. I was pretty surprised by their decision. A lot of Buffalo fans were not thrilled either. Who knows? We'll see. Um, NHL return to play just very briefly. It's still so muddy. Some players have said that they they either won't be able to make it back for like phase two, like training in team facility because of um, safe health and safety, or like they're like the visas don't exactly work out right now. Like this is a pretty peculiar situation. So um, don't be surprised if this is a choppy process that doesn't look the same for everyone in the league. Uh, anything else we want to get to before overtime? All right. Uh, let's head over to uh, Patreon, uh, who we read out every episode on air as our way of saying thank you uh, for supporting the show. Um, you guys are the reason why we can do this show, especially during um, quarantine. And, and while we are all apart, we are able to still get together do things like this, do the live stream. Um, a quick note uh, for anyone who was to receive a, um, you know, car bumper sticker or anything like that um, 
from us and then kind of everything went to hell before you can get it depending on what wave of mail you're out uh you were signed up for uh feel free to shoot us a message on the um winged wheel at winged wheel pod twitter dms um i still have you on a list and that should be going out soon as we can like start to open things back up and you know go to the post office and mail things on mass again it's just we're still pretty shut down right now um haven't missed you and we'll do so as soon as we can. So don't hesitate to reach out and, and hopefully we can start churning things out like that again. Also uh, looking into custom hats for um, name level sponsors. It's hard. Our logo is hard to embroider, but I'm determined to do it. All right. Patreon uh, dead Panda society says, so I'm bored and there's a lot of time till the NHL comes back. So I've been working on a roster for NHL 20. What overall would you give from 36 to 99 for Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi and Fabry? You will all will help construct my roster over the next few weeks. Oh, that's an interesting one. Sorry, what? From th- uh, what overall rating would you give these players in NHL, like the video game? I don't know what. I don't do video games, so I don't know what's a good rating, what's average. I think bad. at one point, Jonathan Erickson recently was ranked like 83. Yeah, I remember that. For some reason, like your, your bad players are, I bet you applicators like a 79 at least uh brad for reference Connor mcdavid's probably like a 96 or 97 and that's probably the highest rating in the game okay so mantha's like a 94 then <laughs> um i would give larkin an 86 87 i don't know that feels fair to me how about you guys i i know that playing the nhl games he's probably like an 89 or a 91 something in there just because they always have the one player on every team who's yeah. significantly higher than everyone else. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll give Mantha the same as Larkin. I'll, I'll give him an 87 as well. Um, I'd give Bertuzzi an 83 and a Fabry an 80. Yeah, everybody's always in the 80 range. Yeah. It seems like. They're pretty generous. Uh, Ethan Boulderson said, I mentioned a few months ago, oh, a new patron. Uh, welcome to the dub dub, Ethan. He says, I mentioned a few months ago, months ago that if I got a stimulus check, I'd become a patron. Well, here I am. Unfortunately, it is short lived as I got a pretty hefty pay cut. Ah, shit. I'm sorry to hear, man. Uh, but just want to thank you guys for all the content, the player profiles, the league discussions, and especially the rants. Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. Um, even if it's short lived, can't thank you enough for your support. Um, and make sure you're taking care pal uh jordan mills says hey guys resident sends fan back again and this time to defend my dear brady kachuk who you guys so quickly rated second fiddle to svechnikov similar point totals while one plays on the crap sends the other plays on the good canes i see them more as equals instead of one being better than the other anyways keep up the great work and stay safe p.s it's my birthday so i expect evan to sing me happy birthday come on evan it's his birthday man no <laughs> yeah, well that's actually the most uh happy most of a happy birthday message evan anyone's gotten some from evan so it's better than you asking for my signature which i encourage all of you to do um if and when we do meetups again uh okay sveshnikov versus kachuk i mean i'd be curious to see the i don't have in front of me i'd be curious to see the ice time differences between them because sveshnikov plays on a good team with depth and he's not the go-to guy Brady Kachuk plays on a team where he's basically the only option for offense so uh on the power play everything I, I imagine Ottawa tries to run it through Kachuk whereas with Svechnikov he's probably not even the best player on his own line assuming he plays with Aho. the thing is like 
I understand why it would come off, and I get this a lot from Sens fans, um, of being like overly harsh on Kachuk, and it's not a Zadina thing. Um, I've actually come out and said like I was pretty wrong about Brady Kachuk in some ways. Um, I think we predicted that Brady Kachuk would be better quicker than a lot of these prospects, and that lines up. Like I didn't think we'd he'd be a bad player. Um, my long term is that Svechnikov will be like a top player in the league. Um, like borderline, if not superstar level at some point. And I think Kachuk is kind of like an accelerate quickly towards his ceiling kind of player. Is there a science behind that? No, of course. And I could still be even more wrong. Um, but I view Svechnikov as a player who has so much left to give and he's already shown so much. But but Kachuk has been, you know, he's been a great player so far. And he's, he's proven me wrong. He's proven a lot of people wrong. So yeah, you're... I would you would have a hard time convincing me that it's still not Sveshnikov, and I think a lot of people would have that same opinion. But you're not wrong in arguing that. I don't know. Let's let's talk again in in a year. You know, uh, Alexander Vil, uh, Alexander Viltner says thanks for the pod, my dudes. First time patron, long time listener. Welcome, Alexander, to the Dub Dub. He says you've been keeping me uh, sane in this hockey drought, considering how long we have until the Red Wings hockey is back. Uh, what you do is much appreciated. Only three things in life are certain. Wings draft six. Leafs get bounced by the Bruins, but ironically feel good about winning a playoff series because that's exactly what a play-in is. And lastly, the Taylor Hall curse continues. Lafreniere is banished to the middling hockey desert. And before someone says they don't have a first, it's lottery protected. But even if it wasn't, they'd still win because it's a damn strong curse. My question for you guys, if there's an organization out there undesirable enough for laugh to walk away from, a la Lindros, who, which would it be? Remain untainted, coagulated milk protein receptacles. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Ottawa because who really wants to play for Eugene Melnick? Yeah, that was the first one I could think of. That came first of mind. Uh, I don't know if that exists, but if you had to pick one, would you want to pick not Florida? Florida's got a good good enough roster where teams could get away with the attend or players could get over the attendance thing. I don't know. I don't think it exists. I, I think you're either looking at a small market or a team that's just in like a terrible uh, situation like Ottawa. But even Ottawa, like, yeah, Eugene Melnick has been hurting the team, I think, well, like undeniably. But at the same time, they're not like trying to not rebuild. They're not trying to fake a rebuild. I think Buffalo would be a better candidate. But then again, if you had a chance to go play with Jack Eichel and Rasmus Delaney, you wouldn't say no. So that's actually a tough one. Uh, Cordell Taves says, Hey guys, I've joined a few sim leagues this year and it's my first off season. I'm drafting fifth and sixth and two of the draft. If the top four go Lafreniere, Byfield, Strutzel, and Raymond, who would your be picks be at five and six? So if it went Lafreniere, Byfield, Strutzel, Raymond. Yeah. Uh, at five, I'm probably going Rossi and assuming I'm obviously picking for Detroit, probably go Holtz at six. I like Drysdale, maybe a hair more than holds but not enough to get over the positional need i i think drysdale would be a more certain contributor than holtz i think but again i I think it's just flipped by a hair so i'd go rossi drysdale um not discounting what brad said about positional need but i'm just viewing like what if drysdale turns into a mccarr type talent and then you left him on the board for a guy who's going to be like a second line winger you know um that that's not a certainty but that would be my thought process uh michael barry says hope all is well guys if the red wings end up picking fourth would you accept the following offer sheet compensation a first second and third 
two firsts, a second and third, uh, sorry, first, a second and third for less than 8.4 million, two firsts, a second and third for 8.4 to 10.5 or four first round picks for 10.5 million and above uh, for Mantha. I honestly would take two first round picks for Mantha because if we miss a superstar this draft, I think the closest will be we will be to uh, being good is in three years. It, it depends on the team. Um, if the Bruins offer sheet Mantha, I'm absolutely not taking that because we're not getting a even with two swings that I doubt we're getting a player of Mantha's caliber at 28, 29, 30. Uh, hell, let alone two players that up to a Mantha. If it's um, Edmonton, hypothetically, yeah, I'd probably take the swing on a couple mid first because we did get Larkin 15th overall. Statistics aren't in our favor at that point, but I think that's enough kicks in the can to make it worthwhile. And obviously, at that compensation, it means Mantha's getting paid more than we probably would like to pay him. So that yeah. has to factor in too. I'm I'm seriously yeah I'm seriously looking at the same thing two first plus for a guy who's making probably north of nine. His he's not going to be not good. He'll be good for a lot of years still at that point. But then you're consigning yourself to saying yeah we're definitely not going to be good for another three years. But if you're Steve Eisman, is that the the functional reality for the team? Yes. Do you have that kind of leeway with ownership and the fans? Might be a different question. You're looking at almost a full decade then of sucking. So, um. Would I do it? Yeah, but Mantha's no slouch. So like Brad said, it would have to depend on who it's coming from. Um, Lonnie Zone says, I have a too little too late suggestion for the NHL and the play in round. Why don't they do it? So the higher seed only needs to win two games while the lower seed needs to win three. That way it rewards the teams already in a playoff position over those that weren't. And it makes it less likely that a solid playoff team enters the lottery. I don't know. It feels like it's doable and solves a lot of the problem. Just thought I'd share and would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks so much for keeping this podcast going through this crazy time. Always good to hear your voices. Uh, Lonnie, believe it or not, that was suggested and it was uh, hated a lot within discussions it got brought up quite a bit but it ultimately got shot down teams did not like how like uneven and voodoo it was even though it would be more fair i think you're absolutely right about it um i don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that not really cody lunsford says who wins the cup this year and do you think the celebration is going to be strange in an empty arena are they going to kiss the cup yeah, they'll kiss the cup. Um, they'll all grab it the same way. I don't know if they're going to be allowed to, honestly. I think they will. You I sure? Think, I think if they're playing games together, they'll all be kissing the cup. They'll say, like, don't do it, but I think the players will just do it. When's that going to be? November? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. yeah they'll least. do it, especially if they're all in isolation and getting tested. Um, Who's going to win? Great question. I'm going Tampa every year until they start to lose players. Philly, just because. Why not? Uh, Columbus. Columbus all the way. Evan's on the Columbus train. Or Arizona, just because it would make me very happy. Um, Arjun Shanker says, damn dudes, the world is a crazy place place right now, especially in the US. I hope everyone is listening. Uh, everyone listening is staying safe and being careful and you three are taking good care of yourselves and your families. Um, thank you, Arjun. And just want to echo his comments. I hope everyone is staying safe, um, is staying healthy. Um, that is, you know, our main concern. Obviously, um, if you're out uh, in the protest, we hope you're doing it um, safely and that you come home, you know, healthy each night. But at the same time, um, there's still a pandemic going on. So, um, yeah, 2020, 
every month just comes out with a new thing, you know? June will be fun. It, it feels like four years ago that Australia was on fire. I was saying that today on the, out on the golf course. Like That was not even five months ago. Crazy. Oh God. We, like, we thought that would be the biggest thing this year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, please uh, stay safe, everyone. And, and that goes for you too, Arjun. And thank you for that message. Harun Khan says, hey, guys, do you have a feeling deep inside that maybe just maybe the league rigs the lottery to make sure a market like ours gets Lafreniere? I doubt it, but I sure hope so. They, I feel like if they were going to, they had a perfect opportunity to without a single utterance or uh, uh, insinuation of actually rigging the lottery. They could have just made the rules in Detroit's favor. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen now. Um, time for some Reddit and Twitter questions. Uh, Russell 18 says, I'm too jaded by the lottery to look at the top of the first round. My na- naive optimism has me looking at picks 20 to 40 and hoping we might be able to leverage our cap space for at least one extra pick in that range. Who, ex- who excites you in that range and why? 20 to what? 20 to 40. Zion Nybeck. Why not? Nybeck, Paterka, Reichel, um, O'Rourke, if he goes there. Maverick Bork. Maverick Bork. Um, there's a lot of guys who are ranked like mid-20s, early 20s or late 20s even, um, that are going to get bumped down by guys that are being pulled up for the 30s and the 40s and the 50s into the first round, which happens every year. So um, instead of trying to target those guys, you want to look at guys ranked in the late first, and that's who you, you more or less want to go with uh, for the ideal uh, pick there. I don't think Eisenman will try to buy back into the late first round, but I think there's a lot of opportunity for for Eisenman to um, really maximize that pick at 32, which is a, it's a great pick. Uh, Yarovic Seven says, "What are your thoughts on bringing Blashill back? Uh, was it inevitable that CB would? Uh, if you hear last episode, you'll hear a lot of the our thoughts. Um, I think there's a kind of a spectrum on what we think." Um, I'm not indifferent, but I think that it doesn't really matter right now, depending on what's happening behind the scenes with the the other potential coaching candidates. Um, I think things could still change, but if they don't, um, the only way I'd truly be disappointed is if the team made an actual pass on, on, um, I think, guys who would be a little bit better uh, of coaches. But at the same time, I really would not be surprised if Eisenman thought that it didn't matter right now as well based on where the team is at because the coach can only make a team so good um and was it inevitable i think yeah in retrospect just like all these draft lottery decisions i think this was the the most likely end result and i think we've said so in the past as well um to save brad's forehead veins um yeah maybe listen to last episode he loved he he loved to share his opinion on that one i can't do it again (laughs) evan how about you what was the question? Oh, they uh they asked what your favorite color was. Orange. <laughs> uh your thoughts on Blash Hill. Yeah, I think I echo sort of the same thing. It's uh it is what it is, and um if we keep him around for now, it doesn't really matter because our team isn't good enough to actually compete. So um would I prefer a Gerard Gallant, for example? probably but uh we've got about nine months to figure it out before our next game so it's uh, whatever everything about that statement was depressing darn foxes would you use the first third rounder that detroit has on nico Dawes? yes absolutely yeah why not sure i'd probably 
comfortably use one of the late second rounders on him. Um, Elmo's World says, is this extremely long break going to make the next version of the Red Wings even worse? So much time out of play must hurt development and the fitness of the roster. Asking now because they'll need eight months to grasp that reality. I think it's going to hurt every team not playing. Yeah. As I talked about last episode, this is important developmental time for prospects. So you got to think, most siders going nine months without playing. Philip Zadina is going nine months without playing. It... The only person it helps is Anthony Mantha because he can't possibly hurt himself in this time. Not can't possibly, but odds go way down. Um, IRP and Ball says, what league slash draft el- eligible prospects do you think will have started their next season before the NHL draft happens? Uh, and basically every league, but the NHL's canceled. So assuming they get the green light, almost everybody else in theory should be starting on time. So short answer all of them um and he makes a good they make a good point it'd be awkward to try and bring over say stutzla to the a if his del del league has already started typically european leagues start earlier than north american ones already it's a strong point they might just want to leave him there and he might not want to go although man if he's drafted he'll probably want to go right who was it was there not just a rumor about a prospect exploring european options assuming the was God. It, was it top prospect was it byfield it, or lafreniere i don't think it was either of those two it might have i think rossi are, we already knew was going over but i think it was someone else i can't remember now well rossi's austrian yeah but is that the league he wants to go to <laughs> uh michigan native asked should we bury an app should we bury abby in grand rapids next season his contract hit won't be impacted but at the very least we should consider bringing something up someone up with a better wins above replacement your thoughts um your thoughts exactly are what my thoughts are yes um it'll be like a million or less in relief cap relief but that's not what matters it, it has nothing to do with the cap relief because no. detroit's got infinity cap space right now it has everything to do with uh bad yeah uh my condolences over demon as well i'll miss hearing about his room clearing flatulence thank you for filling in our time with something other than negative news during this tar- dark dark time i need to clear up a misconception about demon here he was the one who farted least ollie was the little hot boxer and he's still here okay yes ollie farted more often but when demon farted brad it was it was special his death yeah. farts per fart yeah he he, he farted he farted twice a week but you knew when it happened Okay, Ollie had a higher farts per 60, but Demon's high danger farts per 60 were way higher. Yes. Yes. The quality of farts were were there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, Cross Crease passes. Any thoughts? Oh, yeah. We talked about Jack Eichel's comments. Um, also, I'm beginning to think the Wings will make the return to the playoffs before the Sabres. Oh, man. I would be thr- thrilled and surprised based on what we talked about. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I'll say I won't bet on that. <laughs> um the doctor 10 says what prospects are you looking out or at first extra second third round picks we've talked about that do you think a package of some of our extra and second and third round picks would be enough to move into the late first round mm, no <laughs> pick 32 is already essentially late first round so you would almost want the volume there and my the the gap between my like 25th ranked prospect and my 55th ranked prospect it's not big I'm not giving up those extra seconds unless like someone legit has fallen. 
Um, sorry to get all serious, but as a cameraman for local news in mid Michigan, my heart goes out to the people suffering from the flooding. Um, yeah, that's one thing like it's been such a crazy year and there's a lot going on and and we don't want to minimize anything that's been happening for it, but for the people affected by flooding, like our heart goes out too. And, and, um, it's hard to constantly be like crafting messages of support when it just feels like everyone needs it as crazy as that's as that feels. So just like we don't stop thinking and, and we don't stop looking for ways to support, um, support you guys. So if you've been affected and uh, we hope you're safe and we hope things turn up, um, he goes on to say my heart or they go on to say my heart also breaks, uh, for everything that's resulted from the George Floyd incident, um, and the protests and riots, um, at the end of this lockdown, I hope we come out of the other side better and things improve for everyone. Stay safe. Keep your stick on the ice and let's go Red Wings. Um, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the winged wheel podcast. We will be back to you midweek, either Wednesday or Thursday. Um, keep an eye out on the website for that. So we are going to thank all of our listeners, our name level sponsors, uh, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins greech, which is a new name level sponsor. So welcome. And thank you so much for your support. Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer by Felicia, dead Panda society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Kayla Thompson, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M, Matthew M rice, Luke Johnson, Ryan Lewis, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Qasem, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Josh Rosnowski, Alex Ott, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Kay Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. We love you. Please stay safe. And we will talk to you later this week. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.